a Women Charge podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we record, the Wilguru Kaba and Bindal peoples, whose sovereignty was never ceded, and we pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Welcome to a Women Charge podcast, an honest, helpful and hopeful platform for women to listen and engage in discussion about topics ranging from the candid, the secretive, the resilient and the trailblazing. These are stories of women and their lives, extraordinary or not, we all have a story to tell. And your host, a self-professed pleasure product professional, a purveyor of pleasure, a women's rights advocate, ex-police officer turned entrepreneur and founder of Happy Mesh. Yes, I'm your host, Anna Walsh. And today I'm charging up and getting ready to speak to Ari Russell, a women's lifestyle and transformation coach, fitness and glamour model, entrepreneur and founder of Project Unfuck Yourself and now OnlyFans creator. She has amassed a huge IG following on both her Ari Lee Russell Fit and the Ari Show Instagram accounts and advocates there for healthy and positive attitudes to women's body image. She has helped hundreds and hundreds of women around Australia by educating and empowering them and helping them change their bodies through sustainable health and fitness approaches. And she now monetizes these skills through her personal training, Project Unfuck Yourself, which we will discuss later, as well as wading her little sneakers through the murky, lurking waters of the male gaze, working in a male-dominated industry filled with gender stereotypes and jealousy. Ari, welcome Hi. to <laughs> welcome to your Women Charge podcast. Thank, Thank you. you for being here. How Thank are you, you for having me. I'm very excited. Good. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on the show. Now, um, as you know, this is a women's podcast. You are a woman. Yeah. <laughs> your target audience um, with your training and your online courses are women, 100% women. Yeah. And that's who takes up all your your courses as well they're all women but the majority of your followers you say are male or maybe not the majority but more than half is that yeah right? mostly yeah. like 60 percent, i think it 60%, was 60 percent. yeah okay. and you work in a male-dominated industry as we spoke about and you constantly have to put up with the male gaze and attention from men either in person or at the gym or virtually and in fact you live with a man your partner michael who you admit to have used um, as a human shield <laughs> yes <laughs> to try and deal with some of these circumstances so how do you balance between targeting you know women in this honest and helpful approach but also using the male gaze to your advantage well that's a very interesting question so i think a lot of this comes from being able to come from a space of helping um, I think the male gaze is just a natural, like, unfortunately, it's a natural thing that's yeah. going to occur. <laughs> so, like, inadvertently, you can monetize on the male gaze, yeah. but my whole purpose is to help women mm. because essentially that's where, like, my space is and yeah. where I'm most passionate. So, mm. it can be just more about helping rather yeah. than, like, you know, embracing the fact that men look. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, and that's what you said as well. You're like, they will look. Yeah, whereas that's just nature as well, Literally. and it's not always in a bad way. Yeah, as well. it's interesting and to see. I find myself looking sometimes like if a chick walks past and she's looking really good or like has yeah. a good booty, I'm like, oh damn, you know, it's just so natural. Yeah, like if something catches your eye to look. So, yeah. like, I think it's just focusing less on that side of things and focusing more on the things that you can mm. like change and 
and move forward yeah. so yeah yeah and I think that's important as well um thinking about like if you you obvious when you say you're in the gym like you can feel it sometimes that presence yeah and I've sometimes it's in a good way or a bad way yeah I've had um like obviously like I have an Instagram following so when you're at the gym people know who you mm-hmm. are and things like that there's been occasions where there'll be like a guy that I've never spoken to just come up and just, mm-hmm. you know, say the whole, oh, I follow you on Instagram. And, you know, it, it's, it's really nice and flattering yeah. at the start. But then, um, you know, if they kind of just keep trying to look and keep trying to wave and you kind of get to this point where you're like, okay, man, like, <laughs> I know we know each other now, but just leave it. Yeah. So there's been times where, because Michael, he's a PT at the gym, I will just go up and be like, babe, save me. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. take me away. Um, but like you know it happened it, it actually happened to me recently um, at the clubs as well I had a guy come up to me oh you're I really Russell fit yeah. I'm like yeah my girlfriend was there and I'm just giving her the look what do you mean by the clubs what's that like not like clubbing oh, yeah because yeah, yeah. after comp prep we went out and like had a bit of drinks and things like that mm-hmm. and like you just can't get away from it they mm-hmm. they came out like this one particular guy and he put his arms around me like and pulled me into his waist he's like you're not human like it was and it was just like the fact that they feel that they can openly get to that point yeah. in touching someone. And yeah, so my girlfriend just did the whole <laughs> elbow <laughs> thing. Elbow but yeah, 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 like it happens. Um, yeah, I think that's that traditionally like, you know, women's bodies haven't been for ourselves. And yeah. so that's probably hard for some people to understand who are still in that mindset. And especially mm-hmm. if you're out and about and they've had a, someone's had a drink, yeah. like that's never a good combination yeah. for anyone out you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's always that. But like, how does Michael feel then, knowing because he obviously picks that up? Yeah. Does he worry about it, or is does he is he seen that side of things that she's never seen before? You know that women have to deal with sometimes. Well, I think he's aware that it happens and it's mm-hmm. a thing. Um, it's not like him to let something like energetically take him like take up yeah. his emotions. So unless there was a situation that arose that came really serious mm. he doesn't do anything particular no, to course, change but it but he just just recognizes but that he, you're feeling he's like definitely that. aware like yeah. that it's it, that it occurs and mm. you know it's just unfortunately like you just accept that that's how some people are yeah um like you, the other alternative is just to go around trying to change everyone and that's oh, just going to tax a lot of your energy so yeah. And you that's know. the same, like, I guess, for you with online, like, online comments, like, negative comments mm. or, like, trolls occasionally, like, that, I think yeah. that's really important to have that thick skin. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I always say to people who've had that, like, I think that's actually a sign of success mm. if you're getting some of those comments. Yeah. Like, I've had a few before, not many, and um, I was pleasantly surprised at how it was like a water off a duck's back. I was like, oh okay that's how they're feeling and they're having a really yeah, bad day yeah but like I think for you that's really important because it is you're all so much about your body mm. and what you're what also what you're teaching as well so therefore it can feel really personal a bit yeah so I've had like comments I've had like people try and call me out on Instagram stories and mm. stuff like that and um not long ago I actually had a comment that someone decided to make about me dancing in front of my camera and mm-hmm. you know at first, I almost got triggered and I almost wanted to comment back and, yeah. you know, defend myself. But then I grew up being bullied, people spreading, like, all sorts of rumours, you know, like, slut-shaming, things mm-hmm. like that. And it gets to a point when people make comments, you start to realise that it is more about how angry and upset they are within yeah. themselves mm-hmm. than it is about you because 
you know, at the end of the day, offense is taken, not given. Yeah. You know, so if they're commenting and they're being negative and upset, it's like, that's on them, yeah. not you. So, yeah, like I've had comments and you kind of, you almost get triggered and you just have to just let it not yeah. affect you because, you know, if one comment affects you that much, what happens when there's a hundred or yeah, a thousand? Really like, protect yourself. Yeah, yeah, like you just have to believe you know who you are with inside mm. and anything that other people say about you to you, yeah. you know that it's irrelevant. And do you feel like the comments that you had growing up, like bullying and things, do you feel like that was all like due to your looks and your confidence? Because you are a very beautiful woman. Thank you. A- as well as very like athletic and strong yeah. in your figure. So do you feel like that was all, like were you like that then? And do you think like that was what it was about? When I was young, I actually, I never thought that I was like, anything to look at like I still like I don't really see myself as that but like yeah when I was younger I was not a confident girl I never walked around or thought that I was Mm. like any type of pretty or attractive so I kind of was just really into sports and I don't know if it was just because like I was really blunt a lot of the time um I could have been bossy sometimes as well so I just think my personality and the f- like how old we were at that time when mm. I was being bullied, it kind of just didn't really gel in the normal social life of a kid. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of just over time got excluded and felt like I was different to everyone else. Mm. Um, but it's it definitely has taught me like you just have to when people say things about you, you just you just need to know that you know who you are yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And did you feel like you sort of knew yourself then much earlier because of that or maybe already? I mean, you really have to find your tribe at that stage, like find yeah. your good friends yeah. and pull some support from them, I suppose. I don't think I found myself until I was like 20. Yeah. Yeah. It was because of so much bullying. Like, obviously, it takes years to be able to take a bullying comment and like just brush it off, mm. right? So when I had years and years and years of constant bullying, it was a lot of you know battling in my head Mm. like am I slut or Mm. am I this or is is that true what everyone else is saying so you know it took a long time for me to learn not to believe what people were saying and then also yeah and then also see myself as like what I am like you know so it took a long time to find myself originally but I think yeah it just yeah, tough times. Yeah, tough yeah. Tough times growing up is it's hard. Not like being a teenage girl anyway. Thinking, <laughs> yeah, literally thinking back, like all the nasty things, like wow, <laughs> like yeah. just being able to go through that at such a young age, it's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, like that's really good because I was gonna lead into your personal story as well, which obviously bullying in your in your childhood is very much a makeup of that. Um, with your Instagram following, you're always giving it like nuggets of gold and information, educational and training and diet and, and general inspiration, yeah. right? But what always stuck in my mind was, um, uh, and probably one of the few, one of the reasons I've asked you to come on, was um, the story, it was just a story that you posted, so I don't think it'll be on your in- account anymore, but it was all about um, a guy, and I think he was at Ruleys or Coles. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God, I like what And he was, yeah, <laughs> I know. It's so, so upsetting. And he wanted to um, get a carton of milk mm. and he just couldn't afford it. And he was just like, fuck it, you know. Yeah. And it was just like shut down because there's nothing else he could do. And obviously he had no one to call upon. And you really felt, you really felt that sadness, like because <laughs> of your sort of own situation from your childhood. Do you want to rehash like what you saw? At the yeah, time so you felt? Sorry, I don't want no, to No, it's upset. okay. Like I'm tearing up. It's okay. It's just like, it just, I don't know. It just really revived me. Mm. Um, 
so I was at IGA and this guy in front of me, like, he had no shoes, wasn't, like, the most well-dressed person mm-hmm. or anything like that. And his calm declined and, like, he's like, oh, I'll try again. And, like, you know, you just, like, I could feel that, like, struggling hope of, like, oh, maybe, like, the money's in there. Like, it just didn't work this time. And, you, you know, like, the awkwardness dec- of everyone, it, right? Yeah, so. and mm-hmm. I could, you know, the people judge and, like, oh, like, how could you not afford your milk? How could you let yourself get to this point? You know, those kind of things. And when you're in that situation and you can't afford something for yourself and you're around people and you can tell that that's what people are thinking, yeah. like, it's embarrassing, mm-hmm. um, to say the least. So he was, like, trying to pay for it and people were just kind of standing there and watching to see what he would do. And he was, like, at that verge of, like, walking out and I'm just looking at the checkout. I'm, like, this is just fucking milk. It's not like he's trying to buy, like... You know, hundreds of dollars of alcohol (laughs) or a house or something, you know, like, so I, it just brought back memories. Like when I was younger in high school, we like us kids had, you know, casual jobs and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. there were very, very often like weeks where, you know, my parents would unfortunately have to ask us for money to buy milk and bread and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just brought back those memories of how hard it was even just for a young kid having to try and afford to pay for milk because you know yeah. your family wasn't that well off so yeah you have kind of to worry about it yeah I was just like like I just told him like I'll pay for it like mm. it's fine and like I could feel how he felt mm. having someone do that for him because I was like I've been on the receiving yeah. end of that and you know like it just really it makes you have a lot of faith in people when you are struggling and people will stand up and like help yeah so like when you don't have money it's it can feel embarrassing um and then you know it's a very big struggle to try and get out of that financial situation Mm. like I've spent my whole adult life like building myself up to get out of that Mm. you know that situation so yeah like I definitely have a soft spot when I see people struggling like that yeah um shall we talk about caravan park (laughs) Shall we talk about the caravan park? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if absolutely, if you yeah. feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so when I was, like, growing up, we had... My parents bought a house, and, you know, we were seen as, like, the kind of family with white picket fans. They had a house. Dad, mum had a job. Everything was fine. And, and then you're one of three kids. Yeah, yeah. so I have two brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went through a cyclone where our whole house got ripped apart. Mm-hmm. And it took two years for this house to get rebuilt, obviously, because, like, the entire town was just flat, like, because of damage. Yeah. So Was that Yazzie? Um, Larry, oh back Larry. in 2006. Yeah, yeah, it was, like, pretty crazy. Um, I reckon it was probably, like, a little bit more destructive than Yassi, mm. I'd say. Um, so, anyway, our house had to get rebuilt from the floor up, and then we ended up moving into the shed in the backyard, um, mm. which is fine. That lasted about six months, and, like, you know, I would I wouldn't call that like homeless. It was just you know that situation. We moved out to Mount Isa, and then our house got rebuilt, and we moved back here. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after that, my dad had a accident at work. So he's a truck driver, and he rolled his his semi, and he had like a lot of nerve damage in the front mm-hmm. of his head. And so this nerve damage like made it hard for him to hold a job. Yeah. Um, because it was like affected how he managed his emotions and stuff like that yeah and like uh, you know a lot of truck drivers gonna be pretty safe yeah standards and yeah. Things like that. yeah yeah so he like lost his job and then we kind of were in this like financial situation and then we ended up losing the house that we moved back to Innisfail for 
Um, and then dad got a job down in Townsville. And mm. at this point, like I was in high school, I was finally had like a group of friends that weren't bullying me. Yeah. They weren't like good influences. Like we were doing naughty stuff, but I had a group of friends. So how old were you? Um, like 12, 13. Yeah. Like this was like grade eight. So I was like young, mm. but finally found like a little crew to hang yeah. out with after years of all the bullying. So yeah. we finally settled down and then dad was like oh I have a job interview down in Townsville and we're like okay so we got the caravan trailer my brother got his swag I got my two-man tent and we went down to Townsville for what was meant to be the weekend Mm -hmm. that actually actually ended up turning out to be where we live for like the next year (laughs) Um, so this then became around the time Cyclone Yassi had just hit Townsville and we Mm -hmm. moved down just afterwards and so it was like rainy, it was wet, um, and it wasn't really like the most comfortable situation to begin with. Yeah. And then still like wet season. Yeah. So I had a two-man tent, and every single morning, because I was like sleeping on a foam mattress in the tent, every morning because of how wet it was, I would wake up and my mattress would just be soaking wet. Yeah. So yeah. I'd put it out in the sun and be like, oh, hope like go to school, mm-hmm. hoping that I'd come home to a dry mattress so I can have a good sleep that yeah. night. And I tried everything, like I'd dig like trenches around the tent to try and make like a little drain yeah. and put a tarp over it. It was just like the most miserable like time in my life, to be honest. Um, so we we were there for about a year, a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, and and then were your brothers in the same like tents nearby or anything? Yeah, like so stuff? my young brother, he was in the camping trailer with my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, lucky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and then my old brother, he was in a swag. So mm-hmm. it was like, it was just kind of that situation like we just adapted and yeah like it's hard because like some people are like oh so you were homeless i'm like i wouldn't like it's it's hard to call that homeless because you kind of still had somewhere mm. you know so and did your friends know that like when no you went to school? like did anyone know i had a boyfriend for a year and a half in this time and mm. he didn't even know wow. like i was because of when i moved to townsville um like I just lost my virginity and I had made a couple of girlfriends and I told them and yeah. back then it was a big slutty thing to do to lose yeah. your virginity and so there was like so many rumors going around the school to begin with mm-hmm. oh she's a slut she got skull fucked she like this that mm-hmm. she's pregnant and um so to me adding to the fire of telling them that I live in a tent in a caravan park like yeah. so it was just an absolute yeah it was like yeah. not happening um so I didn't really make friends per se um because you had this guard up yeah because i couldn't invite them like oh come to my house like yeah. i don't even live in a house you and know even what I mean? when you were leaving in the morning were you just like so were you trying so hard to like you know put even makeup on and like look presentable yeah and stuff? it was um it was so embarrassing so every single morning and it was like a constant <clears throat> reminder that we lived in a caravan park like the bus would come and drive into the caravan park to pick us up yeah. and it was the most shameful thing like getting on the bus walking down and getting a seat because you could just feel every single person looking at you like oh she lives at a caravan park and no one well i I think maybe like one or two students went to my school so Mm. it was kind of like really hush hush that i was there um and then like it got so dark in that time like i was like self-harming and stuff like Mm. that um and then I started running <laughs> like just up and down the caravan park because it was really really like long the caravan yeah. park so I was just like running up and down the road just to help with my mental state and things like that and I'll never forget the day that we finally got a house again like wow. it was uh, like it was the most 
it's so weird being in Australia and being excited to finally have a house again. Like, yeah. you'd think that this is, like... That's just a given. Yeah, like, so my parents made it a surprise for us. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't want to, like, get our ho- hopes up, so mm-hmm. they applied for the house and everything before we saw it. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, we're just going for a drive. And they pulled up at the front of this house, and it wasn't, like, anything super fancy. It was just, like, yeah. you know, a house. It was, house. like, in the, in the movies. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, it's like a palace Yeah, in literally, like, two by the dozen where they have this big fucking yeah. mansion in their new home. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we would pull up, and we're like, what's this, Mum and Dad? And they're like, this is your new home. And we're like, what? We have a house. Oh like we got so fucking excited to yeah. finally like live in a house. And the, in my first, like the first thing in my head was, no more salt and mattress. Yeah. Like yeah. I was so excited. But then you know I didn't feel shameful going to the bus stop because mm. I got to live in a house. And you know like it's just going through that whole process made me realize how like how lucky we really are to have what we do have. Mm. And I think if I ever got back to that situation, I would be a lot, like, way strong to be able to handle it because, you know, when you get as low as you feel like you possibly can go, that doesn't scare you anymore. Like, getting... Yeah, you must be so resilient to turn that bus up. Yeah. And also, I was thinking when you were saying that, like, you also had the added pressure of, like, you didn't get yourself into that situation and you, as a child, couldn't get yourself out. So you were really conscious of not hurting your parents' feelings as well at the same time because you didn't want them to feel, you know, that shame, which you probably knew they did anyway. Um, So that's a huge thing for a child to have to navigate and balance as well. Yeah, Yeah. that was hard. Like, I look at my parents and, like, I can see that they did the best that they could for us, you know, like, an alternative could have been we were actually on the streets, yeah, you know, and right. we don't have parents like that. They mm-hmm. made sure we had somewhere to sleep. So, you know, I feel for mum and dad, like how they must feel about what we had to go through as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really voiced and I wasn't really open with them and how I felt about the situation because it just felt like something that was just happening to me and I couldn't yeah. get out of it. But I think a lot of people don't know how to voice that. Yeah, like speak it's hard. About it, speak about it. It's easier not to, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. But as I was, like, getting older and I had more control over, like, the outcome of my life, mm-hmm. I started to realise, like, I never want to feel like I am this low ever again. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know, now it's probably just a heroic thing. Like, I want to make sure that, like, my family doesn't have to feel like this and struggle like this again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, it, it was hard being so young and not being able to control it but yeah. I but also I mean, it's like amazing that you harnessed it though yeah and used it for such an impressive amazing you know career yeah at such a young age because other people wouldn't be able to let things like that go yeah um, and other people and rightly so would still be struggling with it and you know maybe you do sometimes you could just move that away from me don't worry you know maybe you do sometimes and that's like natural as well but to be able to pe- people can say all the time like oh yeah I, I use this as inspiration I use that as inspiration and I want to make sure this happens for me and my family but like you're actually coming from a real place of authenticness there yeah and um you know you're not talking about it all the time I mean thank you very much for sharing mm-hmm. it just thank now you. on this occasion but you know I think that that's something you really should be very proud of thank you as well as well as your family like you obviously are really proud of them which is yeah. great um and you also touched on when we were talking about the family, like, the, the, you know, the, the gender dynamics there as well, you know, because you were the only girl. Mm. 
so that's all, all always difficult as well. Yeah, very frustrating. And <laughs> you weren't the youngest, and then we've got a younger yeah. brother. Were you the oldest or middle? No, so I was a middle child. Yeah. yeah. But um, so I had a younger brother and an older brother. Um, and as I was like getting, you know, to that sticky point of a young girl's age where she's becoming a woman, but like she's still too young to be a woman. Yeah. So I was like in that phase and my family, like, well, not really my family, but more so my parents being, you know, that whole mindset, like women, like you cover up, you don't wear short shorts, you know, don't show your midriff, things like that. And so I grew up watching my brothers walk around their house with no shirt on and like wearing whatever the fuck they want. And it's like, why do, why, why is there one rule for me? And like, mm-hmm. they don't have to have obey for the same rule. Oh, because you're a girl. Yeah. It's like, no. So you questioned it yeah 100 percent. like i fucking hated it yeah like i hate it like the thing if you ever talk to my mom she'll tell you like growing up as a kid you could never tell i really know like she Mm. would never hear no and just take that as an answer and that was like that's still to this day true yeah (laughs) um but she would tell me like no short shorts and then i would like scan her into lending me 30 dollars, and i'd go to target and buy myself like the shortest shorts possible because yeah. i'm like fuck you mom she just said no yeah short shorts. but then it got to the point where she threw out all my shorts mm. and all i had to wear was skirts mm. but then i was riding a bike around the streets with yeah. a skirt on because you know like mom didn't want me wearing yeah. shorts so then it kind of became illogical yeah. what like the whole concept of what they were trying to do yeah and Mum finally got to this point where she was like, well, just whatever. Because I started getting into gym and wearing short shorts mm-hmm. and sports bras. And then it was just like... You're like, it's practical. It's, yeah, <laughs> literally. I'm like, I'm functional. Too, yeah. yeah. So it got to that point And then mum was just like, all right, like, that's just how she's going to be. And was it like coming from them from a place of... Um, protectiveness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Was, sometimes it's control and yeah. sometimes it's protectiveness. Yeah. And I think for girls, more often than not, from the parents especially, it's yeah. definitely protectiveness. Yeah. But I had a I had a controlling aspect to that, like with the ex boyfriend. Um, yeah, and was that was this the boyfriend that you were you were with when you were in the park, the caravan park? Or is this yes, yes, yeah. same guy. So um, he was really religious, and he came from like a religion that you know girls grew their hair long, you know, covered up to their knees, things like mm-hmm. that, which is fine. Like have your own beliefs, but mm. in the relationship, it started getting to the point like I would wear a knee length dress and it was too short, and we'd get into a, a full blown argument over it. It was just like you can't control people to that extent, yeah. and you know, coming from a place from where my parents were trying to tell me like don't wear this, don't wear that, it was just like, well, what the fuck do you want me to wear? <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? You want me just to drape myself in a sheet and walk around sad, yeah. like. Like, you had it coming from all angles. Yeah, basically. so I was like, it just got to the point where, same thing, like, I don't take no as an answer, so I'm like, well, I'm just going to wear what I want, mm-hmm. however I want, and if you don't like it, too bad, because, mm-hmm. like, my parents have already had a problem with it, I had an ex-boyfriend who had a problem with it, so anyone else, like, whatever. Yeah, but, like, how scary to sort of say that at the mm-hmm. time, and also, some women do have the courage, like you, to say it, but then it, you know, it turns into a violent situation oh it yeah. just gets even worse like yeah. manipulation wise yeah do you, f- like, do you feel like you see like red flags and triggers like that with other people like maybe your friends or 100 percent, 100 yeah it's really hard to keep my mouth shut sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> like especially seeing people with partners and they're just you can tell like obviously from all the partners i've had i've had like boyfriends left yeah. by the center when i was in high school um but like I can just pick up a red flag like that and I'm just yeah. like, oh. And then you have to be positive for your friend because they have a partner, but then you also can see like 10 million red flags and you're like, 
<laughs> yeah, it's a hard line to navigate, isn't it, between um, maybe slowly opening your eyes to the fact that that mm. wasn't okay, but also knowing that you can't just go in gung ho all the time. And mm. in these situations, they have to be like you have to support they them. They have as you to go be played on. out. Yeah, because yeah. the last thing you want is for them to push you away. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, but everything happens for a reason as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like that ex-boyfriend came into my life to teach me a very important lesson about expressing myself you know Mm -hmm. so like there's only so much that you can do for a situation until it's just kind of like in the universe's hands to just let fate play out the way it's meant to so yeah yeah i just like oh okay that's your red flag there but i'm just gonna (laughs) embrace embrace your love life (laughs) yeah yeah and at the time well he was probably an escape to get away from like the oh yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's why I had like quite a few boyfriends in school, and I mm-hmm. think I was like it because it was just like, oh well, if I have a partner, then I don't feel lonely because I have no friends, and you know, you yeah. that was like the only place I felt like yeah. I fitted in somewhere. So yeah, I can imagine that I would definitely have done the same, like sort of tag on to whatever they're doing and whatever is not going to make you feel lonely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this is in Townsville, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah, we're, yeah, we're in Townsville, North Queensland, and um, like you know it's there are uh, obviously a number of high schools but it's not like loads and loads of things to do for people your age i, I think most cities probably complain about that for yeah. for adolescents but <coughs> still it's like if you don't have say a vehicle as well it's really difficult here yeah. it's not very much public transport and yeah. it's not very um frequent and it's also sometimes dangerous so like if you don't have that those friendship groups or boyfriends yeah. then yeah you can definitely and caravan park is probably not in the center <laughs> i'm imagining so i actually had one friend that i made there <laughs> she yeah. was in a similar situation but they had like there was a house in the caravan park so they had a huge family so it was like an overcrowded house but mm. We like I had one friend that I felt like I could relate to, which was really nice. Um, Have you ever seen her as an adult? No, I think interesting to connect. I think we still, I think we have each other on social medias, Mm -hmm. but like, like it's just so long ago. You know how you kind of remember, but you don't at the same time. It's like a bad time as well, and who knows how she felt about that time. But oh yeah, sometimes yeah, you don't want to go and revisit. Yeah, but it's like it's nice to look at like see each other now and be like, oh like we're not in that same situation anymore like mm. it it almost is like a feeling of faith or hope because you're like oh like we both got out of that yeah you know like we were in low low yeah. and we got out so you know yeah. <laughs> it's it's good to see yeah yeah that's really impressive like we touched on townsville okay so we're in townsville in north queensland just now in australia you're in your mid-20s yeah now. 24 just started 24 last 24, month okay yeah. well <laughs> They're f- that's just into your mid twenties. I'm afraid to tell you. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I was saying to Michael, I'm like, I'm closer to twenty than thirty right now, so it's okay. Yeah, well, I remember thinking I was finishing twenty three, starting twenty four, and I was like, oh my god, I'm <laughs> mid twenties now. Like, no, twenty three was still good. Um, so like, you, how do you think then? Did you, does all what we've talked about really add into how you've made this leap from, like, I don't want to say average teen girl, but you know. We all felt pretty happy. Yeah, it was like, yeah, 100%. Average teen girl of your generation. And now, like, you're this strong, fit, confident entrepreneur and influencer yeah. in, like, a you know, relatively small place. And you're not only reaching your goals, but you mentioned before we came on air that you're accidentally stumbling across new goals <laughs> yeah. as well, which is always good. So how do you think you did that? Like, was it from what we just talked about or was it something else in you that were other experiences? So... There's two things that contributed to how hungry I was, like, coming out of, like, the bullying at school and stuff. So, first one was I never wanted to be, like, feeling as 
about like poverty ridden I guess you could say like I never wanted to feel like that again but the second thing like originally before I started doing all like my internal self-healing and stuff Mm -hmm. it was kind of like revenge like I'm gonna purposely get really successful just to rub in everyone's face that was ever mean to me like fuck you (laughs) like that's like literally if I'm gonna be honest like that's what it was at the start so over the years I've done a lot of self-healing like looking at why I feel a certain way or why someone makes me feel like this or Mm. why I feel intimidated by that person so I've done a lot of internal healing which now like I'm just coming from a place of like helping and I want to help other women overcome things Mm. because I I know how possible it really is for anyone if they apply themselves so yeah yeah I mean that's really impressive as well because not only do you have all these skills in terms of your career and education but you also just have that empathy understanding mm. and real true life experience yeah that if you did need to help anyone with something that you know things can arise when yeah. you have like relationships with clients i'm sure you know especially women you know mm-hmm. you share things like you've just got all that there as well yeah which 100%. is really important for someone who's so young yeah to have that like it's really rare as well it's um it's it's really inspiring because like you know i have my story but then every single client that i work with has their own story and like just seeing what they oh my god I'm tearing up <laughs> uh, I hope you're tearing up because you're so proud though. yeah like, <laughs> I, I, like I get really shaky and like I just want to start crying because I'm so happy um like all of their the things that they've overcome and they're going through like I look to them and I'm like they are so strong for going through it like they probably look at me like that as well yeah. <laughs> like yeah so different struggles but at the end of the day like they're all inspiring and they're so freaking strong for going through everything like I've been through shit but people have been through like much worse yeah. so that's the way I always look at it yeah um but when they you know like I had one one of the my girls she was really struggling with endo and stuff and that mm. was a really really tough time for her and she's like had surgery and she's coming out of that now and it's just been like incredibly rewarding to see her journey through that and see her still stay persistent with her own goals and like trying to strive so it's like life can try and bash you down but like it's your choice if you're going to stay down there or if you're going to get back up and be like okay I'm going to keep pushing forward so I think that's the most rewarding part about what I do is just seeing that resilience in the girls yeah so let's tell everyone like what you do do right now so your main you were doing a lot of personal training yeah in a couple of gyms in Townsville now you're sort of stepping away from that to really focus on project and fuck yourself yeah and that's sort of going on some legs as well which yeah. is great <laughs> tell, what tell us about um, project and fuck yourself first of all okay so um this was a project that I originally started with my PT clients um mm-hmm. so originally it was like a face-to-face PT thing so it stemmed from just seeing like gym after gym because I worked at quite a few gyms yeah. um in town so gym after gym after gym all you see is them doing 12 week challenges eight week challenges yeah. all these class challenges and it's just on repeat isn't it? yeah like and it was like every single gym i went to it was the same story people doing this thing not getting like they get results but then they can't keep it afterwards yeah. so then what do they do they go and do the next one mm. and then they get the results can't keep it do the next one so it becomes like this vicious cycle mm. i'm like there has to be a way for people because I'm very passionate with my clients getting results. Like if my client gets results, I want them to keep it. Like Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be a temporary 12 week thing so I can boast about the results and then have them struggle again in like eight weeks time, you know? So I'm like, there has to be a way to get my clients to this point that they're at, but then keep it. 
So this was probably like three years ago I started to realise that this was a thing. Mm. And I'm like, how do I get this? Like, how do I stop this whole process from yeah. happening? So slowly I've like built up a bit of a voice on social media about like, you know, maintainable results and doing lifestyle changes rather than just putting yourself through challenge after challenge. So I designed an online course that takes each client from week zero all the way through to 16, exactly what they need to do to set their journey up. Mm. So like the first few weeks we sit on like time management, prioritizing, self-sabotaging habits, facing fears. Like we literally get into that, Mm. yeah. Because, you know, it's one thing to start a training program, but like what about the fact that you doubt yourself so much? You know, like what are you doing to try and overcome that? Because then we have, you know, our self-sabotage habits that will have a play eventually. Mm. And most people don't realise that they have yeah, that. Yeah, I was just about to say that. You yeah. don't actually realise. Mm. Or maybe you realise that you're saying something negative to yourself, but you don't realise, like, the, the imp- opening. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Opening and it's like, you know, you get results and then, like, you fall off for one week and then you tell yourself, oh, it's not working. And so you go and eat McDonald's or something and then you start self-sabotaging <laughs> the whole journey so you can put your hands up and be like, see, it's not working. Yeah. You know, like, so... You just can't do it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm like, but everyone can do it. It's just you've got to unlock that that secret to getting it right. Yeah. And that's, that's what I started doing with the project was, like, building out the course. And my whole outcome was I want to get these women to stop yo-yoing with their results, their habits, their lifestyle mm. by the end of the 16-week period. Mm. So, you know, it took eight months, filmed it, planned it, scripted it, got it all done, and now, like, it's an online course yeah. for women to access where it's a group coaching setting. We all catch up as a group once yeah. a week, um, but the girls also work with me one-on-one where I handle their programming and okay. we have a nutritionist on the team that does their nutrition. Yeah. So they get very, like, specific, tailored... Mm like proper advice mm. not just generic stuff that's going to keep them going in circles yeah. so it took so, a long so time so they watch your videos but they also have a one-on-one with you but then also a group yeah as well so it's really good that's like a little yeah. community aspects of like everywhere like they've yeah. got the community but then they also have like one-on-one access with me and then they've also got access to the educational course mm. that's going to give them the knowledge that they need to know yeah. and i think that's really important to have other people to answer to sometimes especially mm. when you're starting out in a fitness journey yeah um because i i mean i always know that if i have a pt or mm-hmm. someone who's watching or it's even someone who's going to check the scales if i like when i was losing weight after giving birth you know at least you know that you've got a someone watching <laughs> and maybe be like another couple of women doing yeah. the same thing yeah which is good and you become like because i still have a coach now like yeah. i'm 10 years into working out and like when you get a coach it's not because you're admitting that you don't know what you're doing because mm. there's people that know exactly what they're doing that have coaches mm-hmm. you know like a coach is there to help guide you through the process so that you don't have to worry about doing it yeah. and that's what i love about having a coach for myself is like i can tell him i've got a photo shoot coming up in four months time i want to look good for that let's make it happen and then he just tells me what to do it, yeah. and that's what i do with my girls is like okay what are we doing like where are our goals sitting and i just do it for them mm-hmm. so all they have to do is worry about the execution and that's like i feel really really key for people to understand is like in the in the beginning it's so important mm-hmm. so important but then also when you're starting to know what you're doing it's also important yeah. as well and it's important to say that um not like these women who you're working with and the majority of women you work with they're not all wanting to lose weight specifically no like yeah. it's almost the opposite mm-hmm. like <laughs> mm. they want to put on weight and um you do a lot of like weight lifting how would you what would you call it strength conditioning yeah yourself? like muscle building, muscle building growth yeah so you know like when we look at results we've got 
I guess you could say three ways we can go. We can maintain, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you maintain what you are now. Yeah. You can lose, which is drop body fat. Essentially, that's the end goal. Um, and then we've got gaining, which is putting on muscle. So we see a lot about, you know, losing weight, dropping body fat, things like that. But we're starting to see quite an influx of women looking to gain muscle mm-hmm. um, because, you know, it's, you can be unhealthy being overweight, but you can also be unhealthy by being undernourished. Yeah. And I feel like there's not a loud enough voice for women that are struggling with that in this industry is like, you know, there's a lot of us out there that don't know how to eat properly so that we're, you know, a healthy weight. We don't mm. like me, for example, I was 48 kilos when I started weight training. I'm mm. now 55. Yeah. Um, but it's had like a long process of mm. knowing what to eat, how to eat for my goals, like what to do yeah. to make sure that I'm healthy. So yeah. Yeah, we're seeing a huge influx of that at the moment, yeah, and it's and so I think good that's to really see. Really important trend to to watch as well. Mm. But um, and I I feel like the positive is that women are, and unfortunately, it's all to do with like how we feel. I think through society, but we're moving away from that like skinny, you know, Kate Moss ideal oh, yeah. of the model, and now looking to be empowered through just strength, feeling as well, strong and athleticism, and yeah, which is really important. Yeah, and as long as what, and this is what you preach everything comes from a place of happiness mm-hmm. and contentedness yep. first of all then that's important because otherwise it's just basically another form of sabotaging yeah you know, exactly to torture to, yeah torture exactly <laughs> yeah. to put yourself through yep. something yeah um so that's why it's really awesome as well and it's like changing the way that people see women's bodies mm, women yeah 100 feel as well in such certain situations like feeling strong and confident is really important i think mm. like even if you're in a situation where you're feeling of your skin or you're feeling worried or anxious or even in danger like I think having that extra bit of confidence through the use of your body mm-hmm. is great even even if literally. it doesn't work or not like I mean I'm, I'm you feel like boss mode like yeah <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about that through my policing days like mm. I found like being a tall and strong woman was always a definite advantage mm. especially when I put my police boots on and, mm-hmm. all, and then when I had my gear on as well like protective stuff yeah. like it's probably a bad thing as well. You do feel like a little bit invincible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 100%. You are. But um, I do, I I'll always have enjoyed feeling that. Mm-hmm. There was a small space in time when I was maybe like 13, 14, where I just was so much taller and bigger than all the boys who were my age. And I really felt that um, gender stereotype yeah. that went completely against me at that mm-hmm. stage. So I definitely wished that I was this petite little thing at that stage. But I, I just really learns to love it and own it yeah 100 percent. you got away yeah. yeah and i think it's really important yeah. for all girls growing up to know that yeah that, like a everyone's so different and you always will be different mm-hmm. and if you feel like you're not something like you're not a little pretty ballerina like look to what you are just own who you then, are yeah 100%. but it's so hard to tell and a pe- little girl that <laughs> yeah i know like oh i um, there was like a family friend of mine and she had like a really young sister and this girl she was like a little bit overweight had mm-hmm. like a like a lazy eye like all the things that people like kids would pick on you for mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and she sat there and she's like oh like she had no self-belief and she had you could tell she'd been beaten from her beliefs yep. so much and she just had no faith in herself and I'm mm-hmm. just like you can literally do whatever you put your mind to. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah. I'm like, no, seriously, like, you can. Yeah. And she just started crying. And I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it's like it's sad to see, even at a young age, how beaten us women can be. And mm-hmm. something that I can say, because I was, like, 14 years old and I started weight training, like, 
that is empowering as fuck. Like mm-hmm. when you're when you're going to school and the guys are trying to get you to tend to your biceps and like flex off with them, like you feel like a boss bitch. That's so cool. <laughs> like, I didn't realize you were fourteen. That's yeah, so like because awesome. obviously it being ten years of training and working out, yeah. so I'm twenty four now. Yeah, so it yeah, was like right. fourteen, yeah, and then like, but that's obviously where a lot of the jealousy stemmed from from the mm. girls. It was like, oh, she's a slut. She hangs out with boys and mm. things like that. But little did they know, I grew up with two brothers, so it was kind of like, honey, I was like living in the backyard when yeah. you were playing with your dolls. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so intense. That's mm. amazing as well. So you had that like slightly different view already. Mm. And so I've watched the fitness industry morph into what it is these days now. Because mm. like when I first started, it was still the whole like women did cardio. You know, you know, if you do weights, you know, look bulky. It was yeah. that whole stigma. So I've morphed with the industry, but I've also watched it change yeah. as well. So it's like when I walk into a gym now, it's much different to what I would have seen ten years ago. Yeah. You know, ten years ago, you would have walked in, every single girl would have been on the cardio equipment yeah, or training like abs. Well. The cardio yeah. area was always much mm-hmm. larger, but <laughs> now it's like the opposite. Like no one wants to be on cardio, yeah. and all the girls are in the weights, and it's so inspiring because it's like fucking go girl like yeah. you know like yeah you're working on yourself and you feel so much better about it too, yeah so. i definitely don't feel as intimidated going into the weight section before mm-hmm. whereas i would have like ran through it like mm-hmm. 10 15 years ago yeah <laughs> and, and now it's just it. like move out of my way yeah <laughs> i know even just knowing how to use the equipment i mean like i don't know why though because when you look at the guys like half of them don't know how to use yeah, it i know like, that's not, the thing like it's not like everyone's a pro there's a there's a huge stigma like gym's scary and the guys are even worse because they're like all like meatheads and stuff but then you walk into an actual real life gym and you're like oh that's yeah. not even like <laughs> how it is yeah so, yeah. yeah that's cool I so th- with w- what you're talking about harnessing and um growing with the industry morphing with the industry over 10 years obviously socials and like the internet and like using online courses you've definitely moved with that as well because mm. that would never have been no. like anything <laughs> like i mean instagram was just starting out i think 10 years ago yeah like 10 yeah. 11 so um how have you now morphed you're talking about morphing project and fuck yourself like mm. it's kind of grown a few arms and legs like what's going on there what have you been up to recently so um project on fuck yourself i had it like starting as PT as we were talking earlier I think we yeah. got off subject <laughs> um so I had it as like face-to-face and then eventually I morphed it into like the online space that it is now mm-hmm. um and I did this through getting a, a business coach um yeah so I realized very early on in my PT career that you know there's only so much that you can help people with in that PT space before you need to be like pushing it online and stuff like that or giving more education rather than motivation because you know people are like oh i need to be motivated it's like no you need to get educated like Mm. you need to know what the fuck you're doing so Mm. that you can keep what you like the results you're achieving so i launched on online project on fuck yourself and then the girls in the project have been really eager to meet up with each other um some of them have been wanting to know how to do exercises and things like that and then I was like, oh, a good way to connect with new women to come into the project was to do these pop-up workshops. Mm. So it, first of all, was just a little seminar thing that I was going to casually do at the gym. And now it's just morphing into like a monthly thing that's going to have new themes each month that yeah, people cool. will buy tickets to be able to yeah. come and access. So like it was originally just something just to help a little bit. And now it's just morphing into a second yeah. business 
idea. That's really cool because I think that'll keep it interesting for you mm. as well. It's not just the same content that's yeah. going on in the background and you're mm. not really having anything to do with it anymore. Yeah. You're thinking in the it. next thing and engaging yeah. with new people but also the same yeah. like tribe to follow yeah. you as well. Yeah. And is that going to be virtually and in person? At this or? point, it's in person. Yeah. I'm hoping to eventually be able to travel around and mm. offer them in other cities in Australia. Mm. Um, and then I was also had this like idea in my mind of having an online like access to it as well but yeah. obviously you know we've got the um the nitty-gritty details of filming and things like that yeah. so there's a lot of things that are going to be coming out of this and it's just slowly going to keep morphing into yeah. whatever it's meant to be yeah which is really cool just not knowing yeah because sometimes i feel like we need to when you force it it's and we need to guess where we're going to be and what's going to yeah. happen but it's sometimes it's best just to let it happen yeah 100%. especially with like your customers and your clients like yeah. they will probably tell you oh 100 if you as a business person mm-hmm. if you listen to your clients or your customers close enough they will tell you what you need to do in your business they, they may will. not be they may not realize they, don't, they won't tell you directly but they'll <laughs> they'll tell you somehow but like every time i get feedback from a client good or bad i'm like okay yeah cool like yeah. and you take it on board because that's how you're just going to keep getting better mm-hmm. and how you can provide more to your clients yeah. so that was the one thing i noticed is education it's mm. that's the biggest thing that people are lacking and it's the one thing that in that that the industry doesn't offer enough of yeah and especially like the industry does offer a lot of information but sometimes confusion mm. and like double up or <coughs> completely conflicting things yep. as well yeah which is really important and right now especially with the pandemic going on it's really important to be like really evidence-based and mm-hmm. to sh- like to listen to someone like you who does have the qualifications yep. and the experience which yeah. is important as well yeah because yeah. it's um like it's not hard to start an online fitness business mm. like for any random person that's going to sell like a program or something generic so when you know advice for someone that's consuming in the online space like you need to make sure that you do your research like that the coach you're you're looking at working with isn't just giving just random advice that they're just regurgitating from other influencers Mm. or like coaches online um because it like at the start of my career i didn't really realize how important experience was in this fitness industry Mm -hmm. but now that i'm like six years ten years going into like training working out working as a, a coach you realize how important experience really is like yeah. and do you feel like that more as a woman do you think as well yeah like you have to you can't just kind of show up and expect to to get clients like you got to prove like your worth mm. so one comment especially as a young young pt that i was getting because geez i was 18 when i started my pt wow. business so it was Incredible. you're young or I was really hoping to get a male PT because he'll push me better. Mm. And then, you know, I would look at all the male PTs that I was working at the gym. I'm like, honey, he ain't going to push you harder than I will. <laughs> like, you know, oh, like... Is this from women or men or both? Both. Yeah. Like, and then even, like, gym managers will be, like, dispersing out different clients to different people. Like, oh, mm. girl, this guy, he'll really push you. Like, mm-hmm. they'll encourage that stigma of, oh, the, P- the male PT will push you harder. Mm-hmm. When not really. <laughs> That's not really the case. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like... It's definitely something that I had to overcome in this industry, especially being really like young coming into it was that stigma of you don't know what you're doing, you're a girl, you can't like train us as hard as what a guy could, you probably don't know as much. And at the start I was like, I know everything. But yeah. then like six years on, I'm like, I need to know a lot more. Like I know lots, but <laughs> there's like, the more you know, the more you realize like you need to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that well, at least you're aware of that mm. as well. Yeah. Right, so before we started on this, um, 
we looked at OnlyFans as well. Do you want to talk mm. about OnlyFans? Because yeah. you mentioned that you like came out and told yeah, everyone Yeah, it was like I was coming out of the closet. No, but like you're, you did feel like it yeah, was almost a like real big literally. reveal and you were yeah. scared about it. Yeah, so I started um, OnlyFans in COVID because mm-hmm. it was like the gym shut down and I was just like, because I had done some implied nude shoots for before I got my breast augmentation because yeah. I was like, I want something to look back on and yeah, yeah. remember my boobs, like my pre-augmentation boobs. Uh-huh. So I did a photo shoot and it was a little bit raunchy and I kind of had these photos and like, I didn't really, for me, I'm not shamed of being like, oh, don't look at these photos my boobs are at. Like I'm the kind of person like, look at these photos. Yeah. Oh my God, they look so good. Yeah, yeah. So like I was really proud of them. I thought they looked epic, but I just had nowhere to put them. And then, you know, COVID hit, had a lot of spare time on my hands. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I may as well just post these photos and see if it makes money because i got no one out, like nowhere else to put them. Instagram won't let them yeah. <laughs> be there. So And also you're like super proud of them. Yeah, like so I, I was like, I'm not shamed job about them yeah. at all. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just start slowly posting. And then at the start, <laughs> it was anonymous. Like I had not had my, my name attached to it or anything like that mm-hmm. because I was so embarrassed. And yeah. then... The other thing was I didn't want my PT clients to know as well. Like I was just so ashamed of. And then I had it for a year. And one night I was watching, binge watching Netflix, um, a doco on like the Playboy and how that all kind of stemmed back in like 1950s and stuff. And, you know, the, the way us women were portrayed in media, like we had to be modest and we had to like, you know act like a lady and stuff and then playboy kind of hit and it just absolutely revolutionized like Mm. how women express themselves and how society accepts us to express ourselves and i'm like watching it i'm just thinking this is 1950s and like and i'm in 2021 and i'm still feeling fucking shamed all about like sharing my implied news Mm -hmm. that i've got like you know i was realizing the stigma that I was like letting myself be controlled by I'm like yeah. this is not this is not an ideal situation for me like I don't want to be hiding this stuff because the more you feel embarrassed about it the more power people have over you yeah you and know? the less you're gonna be inclined to like really give real authentic content mm. as well and, and be yourself yeah yeah mm. so I was like oh it's not really that embarrassing like it's just art creative stuff and you know yeah. when when I go to a photo shoot like there'll be a big mansion house and like heaps of models walking around with heaps of photographers and you know like all topless and things like this and it's actually like such a taboo kind of day that like you would only kind of see in a movie or something and so when you're there and you're like living that that lifestyle and reality of just embracing your nudity and And like part of that and not caring about being embarrassed or labeled as a slut or something like it's actually it's empowering like really yeah. empowering so and do you find it easy in that situation you just because mm. everyone else is like yeah. doing the same and yeah it's like oh my god the yeah barrier has been broken down yeah, the yeah. it's off. so good yeah. and i'm like i've never been the person to be like oh cover your nipples i can see them through your shirt or anything like that mm. so the fact that we can like live and not have to be you know accustomed to those stigmas it's like really really free and then make money from it yeah well. exactly and like, that's which is the best yeah thing of the whole lot. yeah <laughs> literally like i and also not apologize for making money literally for it. like i didn't realize like how like i've never started these photos for to make money for only fans like it was mm. never that wasn't the purpose it was just i like doing nude photos because i think it's fun i like seeing like the way it looks when it comes out and things like that and then i'm like oh 
I have no way to post it. So then it's just like the only platform was one that makes well, money. Yeah, so. well, you were <laughs> and getting some, yeah, <laughs> easily. <laughs> and yeah, it does. Of course, it always has. Like that's probably mm. the oldest industry in the world. Mm. <laughs> but you know, like you were, you were allowing some of the content to go on other platforms mm. as well. Like, but for no money at all. Like, yeah. And I guess you feel like you're al- almost like giving the rights away to these, yeah, um, these images. Yeah. So now, like that is what platforms like OnlyFans yeah. are amazing for is that like giving that empowerment back yeah. to women with like yeah. no middle man. Exactly, <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's the biggest thing, eh? Mm. Like you you need to be able to know that you own <laughs> what yeah. like you're putting out there. Like you don't want to have someone putting it out there and you being like, I didn't want that out, you yeah. know. So it definitely gives a lot more control and I feel like OnlyFans has this stigma of just being like all pornographic, like mm. that kind of thing. But there's a space in there for people to do like express themselves in however they want and yeah, it doesn't just have to be like that mm. so but you know kudos to anyone that's got only fans i reckon yeah. <laughs> like it's it's a very empowering thing to have yeah no, i ha- i have one as well so i need to get do you really yeah no not <laughs> i don't oh. stuff out but i follow other people oh okay watch i thought you were like i'm like wait I don't this is juicy I don't. <laughs> no maybe one day maybe when i'm a little granny i'll be like look at the money. damn yeah like some people i love that a gilf Oh, that's great. My uh, saggy post-baby stomach will definitely be looking really hot to trot at that stage, and I can't wait to show the world. (laughs) I already do show the world too often. (laughs) Uh, No, I love going on there and consuming content Mm. from other women. Like, you know, just it's so awesome to see, like, they are so impressive looking, like yourself as well. It's not like I'm going on there looking at it for a pornographic Mm. point of view, but if I was, like, it doesn't really matter either. So, yeah, I'm very on board with that, and, like, well done for doing Thank it you. and then telling everyone about yeah. it as well it was it oh the anxiety i had like running through my body when i was about to post the post that like announced to my yeah. my whole following are like i have only fans i called it only fans because i wasn't sure if instagram was gonna <laughs> like censor me out so i'm like reading this caption like 10 million times over and i'm like to mark are you sure i should do this and he's like yeah babe just do it i'm I like yeah fuck this and yeah. i just posted it you know everyone like, probably would have been like oh i just assumed you probably already had or <laughs> like thank god because i mean yeah yeah and then um michael called it he was like oh i bet you can have all the girls I'm like yes girl like go baby and yeah, then exactly. like literally that's the response i got i was like okay yeah, <laughs> like that, no, that's what i love about only fans as well is that like it's not just men who are consuming it it's like people yeah, as well. yeah 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 and it's a really good supportive environment but it's um have you like being someone that has only fans when i come across someone who wants to have a conversation about it and they don't know that i've got one i'm like oh yeah like it's just really like slutty or like it's just super porno i'm like but it's not <laughs> like yeah, not I every mean, everyone is going to be expressing it that same way it's just the stigma that's being built into the yeah, platform the patriarchy completely tells us that mm. and you know if anyone who anyone who's to say that tries to look into why they think that as mm. well that i think they would eventually and hopefully would eventually understand <laughs> yeah. that as well yeah yeah um, yeah michael and i got one together we like so yeah, we were cool. like following all these girls like oh look at yeah. what she's posting yeah. so <laughs> yeah like, wow yeah literally <laughs> yeah so before we started i asked um for three takeaways that you mm. would want to sort of have everyone take away from the session and from everything that you'll talk about you were going to talk about so one you said no matter where you are in life you can rebuild yourself back and I think the quote underneath was, um, if you're not dead yet, then it's not too late to start over. Yes. This is a quote one of my girlfriends said actually to one of my clients um, a couple of weeks ago. I was like, this is like the best quote ever. Because yeah, well, I, I Googled it to see, to check if it was yes. like anyone. 
but no one seems to have said it. Like, I think it's been a sort of real long-standing quote yeah. that people have used over the ages. Yeah. yeah, but it's so true. Like, you know, when I look back from where I started, you know, as long as you're waking up every day with that enthusiasm to, to make your life different and make, like, do the choices that are going to change it, like, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to be unstoppable. Yeah. And it's not ever too late. Like, people get, it's very easy, especially as we people get older i guess i can't really talk because i'm like 24 but <laughs> like no, i see it, i see it commonly <laughs> in clients like they're like oh but i'm like 40 45 like are you sure i'm not too old for this i'm like the quote you know yeah. like you're not dead yet it's not too late to start over and then even that quote though for like what you mentioned earlier on about self-sabotage and you're mm. like but i went to mcdonald's and yeah. you know, like that even the small things it's mm-hmm. not too late to start over yeah like, exactly yep tomorrow's a new day yeah yeah, yeah, this is something I talk to my girls about all the time is like a lot of the time they'll come into the, the project and they'll have like one off week, which happens. Like I have off weeks, we all have off weeks. Mm. I'm like, oh my God, my results are all set back. I've gone backwards, you know, blah, blah. I'm like, the one thing you're not going to do right now is think that you've gone back because you haven't. Mm. The moment you go back is when you start, you know, eating shit again, picking up those old habits that you've worked so yeah. hard to overcome. That's when you go back or yeah. when you completely stop. So it's kind of like when they say that they're at a fork in the road mm. and they can con- continue doing it yep. or just shove it off and mm. go back. And, you know, you're never going to go like straight back to where you were. But yeah. yeah, and you can always pick it up like the next yeah. meal, the next workout, yeah. the next if day. If you're not dead yet, then it's not too mm-hmm. late to start over like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. <laughs> number two was the two points of advice you want to give to women questioning or a woman questioning her ability. So you are 100% just as able to as men to achieve your goals and dreams mm-hmm. and also you just gotta unconditionally believe in yourself yes. which is that's amazing like that definitely complies to probably all things yeah in life 100% yeah because like obviously like as we mentioned earlier growing up I had two brothers mm-hmm. and there was never a point in my life where I like looked at them and like oh they're men they have more opportunity than me like I've always thought I had more opportunity than them like mm-hmm. you know so you just have to find out how yeah like you you literally just have to see yourself as equally able as any man because you are like I look at my brothers I'm like we're all equally able as each other like and then the next thing is you just have to unconditionally believe in yourself because if you can't believe in yourself there's going to become a point in your journey that you're just going to want to stop because you don't believe you can do it whereas if you unconditionally believe that you can do it you'll get there eventually so it's like a tool Mm. a tool in your tool belt Mm -hmm. (laughs) And number three, we don't need to fit into what society expects of us. Mm. So very much like from the woman's point of view there, yeah. Yeah, so it's like just because, you know, people are telling you cover up or don't do OnlyFans because you'll be considered as this or that, like, fuck that. (laughs) Like, you know, you don't need to listen to a single thing. Like, if going against the social norms is going to make you ultimately happy in your life, do it. Yeah obviously like (laughs) don't go breaking the law but (laughs) like like if it's like if it's essentially gonna make you happy i feel like you have to pursue that yeah no matter what yeah definitely like people are gonna always have an opinion or a comment about what you're doing they literally will Mm -hmm. so you may as well just make sure you're feeling happy i think that's definitely what you seem to have done throughout your whole life is Mm. questioning it why 
no yeah and don't like tell that. me no yeah. like that yeah <laughs> it's like Which that is why project unfuck yourself is such a good yeah literally everyone oh i love talking about it like oh what do you do i'm like oh you know i'm founder of project unfuck yourself and they're like what mm. i'm like yeah everyone loves that name yeah that's so good like where can people find you on socials so instagram is where yeah. i do mostly everything mm-hmm. so i really russell fit it's a bit of a mouthful mm-hmm. um i'll put that in the show notes but yeah um mostly instagram is where i do everything at the moment um but Facebook as well a little bit, but it kind of just all trickles from Instagram. Yeah, and what's your OnlyFans handle? The Ari Show. The Ari Show. Yeah, cool. and I've got the Ari Show on Instagram as well. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much thank for coming you. on <laughs> and speaking so candidly about some really personal things. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that, and I hope that um, people listening can take away something from it as well. Maybe Absolutely. Maybe they can share experiences. So yeah, thank you. definitely. Thank you for having Thanks. me. <laughs> Well, what an intense and incredibly inspiring episode. I think that the word inspiring does get overused a lot of the time. However, this this story truly is inspiring. And I think Ari told it in such an authentic way that it actually really became a really beautiful storytelling of pain and success. And, you know, I'm sure every single day is difficult for Ari, but that's why her business our businesses are even more successful for that. Um, I think it's also important to say that it is really important to remember that you can never and should never judge someone, especially a woman, by her appearance um, or by her Instagram. We all too frequently are judged in this way, both by men and by women. Ari does have a huge following online and she uses this to her advantage and in an empowering way. And she is not a stereotype. There is so much complexity to her and it's incredible how she carries herself every day and uses her body and her knowledge and her experience to help other women in so many ways. Um, So massive kudos to her. If you're interested in Ari's upcoming online pop-ups, follow her Instagram. Um, Her handles are in the show notes, but just to let you know, they are at Ari Lee Russell Fit and at the.ariShow and keep up with her updates. And she also has a waitlist for her project on Fuck Yourself, which has been hugely oversubscribed by um, communities of women here in Townsville and North Queensland, but all over Australia. So I think you'll be hearing a lot more from Ari throughout her career and she simply cannot wait, as can't we all, until the border restrictions are lifted so she can start communicating with and helping other women in Australia uh, as well. So keep an ear out for that in future. So next up on A Woman Charged podcast, I will be re-interviewing Keisha Booth, um, a sexological educator. This is because we recorded an hour-long session through the webcam microphone instead of the beautiful microphones at the Townsville City Council Aitkinville Library Studio. But we don't mind because I think the next will be even more amazing. And she is a wonderful person to be with, so I'm looking forward to that. And I've also interviewed Vanessa Tarfon, who is a qualified sex therapist based in Sydney, and she specializes in women's sensuality and sex lives post-birth. Please, please, please chuck me a review as this is a new podcast and I would love as many women as possible to listen in and engage. That would just make my feminist heart burst with delight. So please share this episode with your friends, your mums, your sisters, anyone you can think of and I shall see you next time. Stay charged. <laughs>